This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as the basis for investment decisions. Podcast guests and their clients may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Three Wise Monkeys podcast, a weekly podcast that's all about the markets and investing. My name's Andrew Page, founder of strawman.com. And again, I am joined by Matt Dross from mattdross.com. Thank you, Andrew. Very happy to be here. And Claude Walker from ethicalequities.com.au. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, guys. What are we going to be talking about this week? Yeah, so this week, uh, or first off, I should uh, should announce that we're now on Spotify. So Ooh. if you like to listen through Spotify, what if you're, Spotify? We if have your music it. tuning, streaming needs, we're now on there. You can listen to the Three Wise Monkeys podcast. This is a new web page I haven't heard of. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fill you in later. <laughs> um, but yeah, so today, <laughs> today we're going to be talking about a few results. So we've got WiseTech, uh, BWX. Mm. Uh, and we're revisiting a company that I've talked about where we sold before, Kip McGrath, a company that uh, Claude owns and has recently written up. Um, I'm going to talk through the Australian recession. Dun, dun, dun. Been waiting for a long time. Uh, <laughs> Andrew's going to talk through MSL Solutions mm-hmm. and then uh, Dicker Data. So we've got a lot of, lot of stuff to get through. That's an eclectic mix. It yeah, is quite so a it's mix. another yeah. earning season bonanza. Yeah. With a spice of macro. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, why don't you kick us off with uh, some wise tech? Some wise tech. Yeah, Yeah, happy to talk about wise tech. So everyone, I'm sure, listening to this podcast is familiar with wise tech. One of the so-called wax stocks. It's our sort of uh, one of our tech darlings. Uh, You know, shares up 100% in the past year, 300% over the past two years. Uh, One of those ones that's perennially expensive, um, yet actually been driven by some really, really strong growth in their fundamentals. So. Uh, as we touched on very briefly last week, they had some results out uh, uh, during earnings season and another really s- strong set of numbers. First how did up, the market react? Well, I'll get to that because <laughs> that's, jumping that up. is really interesting. But first half sales were up 68%. Um, they've now grown their sales at a compound annual rate of about 48% over the past four years. And that result that came in this season was better than expected, so above above expectations. Uh, EBITDA, so operating profit with a whole bunch of stuff removed that, that companies and analysts love to talk about, um, that was up very strongly as well, 52%. That too has grown really, really strongly over the last four years or so, about 47% compound per year. Uh, and margins expanding over the past three years as well, in brackets, in small writing, excluding acquisitions. Um, But this EBITDA figure, this operating profit figure was below expectations and the margin was a little bit lower as well. Shares, to answer your question, Claudius, was down 14%. Uh, after those results. So the market not did, too bad then. did not take it too well. Ah, that's not too bad. 14%. I've weathered a few of those drops in my life. You know what? I think anyone who has been with WiseTech for any length of time, um, even if you've been, especially if you've been with it right from the beginning, this is just another day. I mean, in, in the last seven days, shares are up 13%. It's had four drawdowns over the past year alone, just eyeballing the chart, at about of about 20% or more. The biggest peak-to-trough decline that we saw over the last uh, 12 months, 38% when we had a bit of a sell-off towards the end of last year. So volatility, my name is, is WiseTech, right? Yeah. And again, I point you back to those figures I quoted uh, at the start, which is, you know, 100%, 114%, in fact, so far this year, including, you know, what's it's, it's um, the fact that it's pulled back from uh, its all-time high. So this thing moves around a lot. 
as does Afterpay, as does Zero, mm -hmm. as does Appen, as does all of those tech kind of stocks, because I think they are they are they're very very sexy stocks, but for very good reason. But the market has a lot of trouble and so do I, and I think so does most people, in getting their head around these valuations. So I'll throw some numbers at you here with, with WiseTech. Uh, these guys here on a price to sales multiple, so share price is a multiple of the number of, uh, the amount of sales that they've got over the past 12 months, 22 times. 22 times trailing sales. 22 yeah, times right. trailing sales. Let's let's go with, let's assume their, their forward guidance is accurate. Mm -hmm. That brings it back to 18 and a half. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty high. It's pretty it's lofty. Really, yeah. really, really, really high. Um, for those that, that like the more traditional price to earnings multiple over a trailing 12 month period, that's 130 for those playing along at home. Uh, market average is 16, just to put that into context. Yeah. Now, um, again, I think we, we can be all um, clear here with each other that when you're looking at these kinds of growth stocks, you don't, you don't want to overthink this. The, as I said, the, this is a company whose profits are growing at about 50% per year and has been doing it for a while. They're chasing a $14 trillion market opportunity. They are the legitimate world leader. Um, the, what's really, I think, exciting about this is that you have this once in a generation, probably once in a long, long time, where people, where businesses, the, the, the logistics industry is switching from these legacy systems to the cloud. And you kind of do that once, mm -hmm. right? And so th this is this is a very, very big prize. These guys have a big advantage here. They are winning in this space and there is a lot of money to make. So you don't want to go, oh, I'm only going to buy this when the PE is at 16. Because guess what? You never will. Yeah. Or um, it'll only be if it goes terribly. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And if it does get to that level, then something has gone horribly wrong. Claude, you wanted to ask a question. Uh, so it was more just sort of taking a step back and maybe, I guess, understanding where the growths come from. Um, yeah, good question. I'm not sure. I'm not totally across it myself. I don't own WiseTech shares. I don't either. Do you? I should, no, I should disclose Matt, that. Matt, how about you? Yeah, I own. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe... <laughs> of course he does. So maybe <laughs> of course he of, does. Well... But I'm kind of keen to hear from one or both of you a little bit of an account of the acquisitions that have built the business, or at least the important so, ones. So yeah. this is a really good question. They, they've done a ton of acquisitions, a ridiculous amount of acquisitions. In fact, they've done, I think, I think they've done something like twelve this financial year alone. Yeah, that sounds about right. Right, yeah. and we're not we're not even through that. We've just sort of passed the halfway mark here. Yeah, but yeah, I guess many of these are very tiny acquisitions. So they have yeah. a, a strategy of kind of growing growing their global footprint. Wow, <laughs> getting tongue tied mm -hmm. uh, by making these acquisitions. So they're kind of like acquiring a bit of local knowledge, a lot of customers. Uh, but they're then a lot of the companies they're acquiring aren't even really technology companies. It's more yeah. like the local kind of customs agency, etc. Um, and it kind of allows them to get their in the door in a whole um, range of different geographies, which allows them to kind of have a go global footprint. There are some larger acquisitions mixed in along the way, and one of the, the most recent one was a, a fair bit larger. Maybe one of their biggest to date, yeah, right? if yeah. not the biggest. Yeah, I think maybe one other would challenge it. I have to uh, double okay, check the numbers, okay, but yep. very, very big. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of a slightly different approach, but the main approach is adding acquisitions like you'd add a new office. And instead of having to go and set up a new office greenfield, you're kind of buying one yep. and then trying to and then using those customer relationships and kind of leveraging the network. So it's an interesting strategy. Um, I think that they've been executing it fairly well. It is. It does get a lot of questions from people about are they just buying all this growth? Um, yep. The fundamentals... Uh, there's a few different ways they break it out. One of their favorite charts that all investors love looking at YSEC is their cohort growth over time. Yep. So, um, you know, the customers that they signed up 
10, 15 years ago is still growing in revenue today. Like yeah. every year they're growing, uh, you know, over 100% retention rate, all that good stuff. Yeah. So I think that it makes sense. I don't think it's just a pure roll up. I think you'd be wrong to think that. However, you know, the valuation is extremely um, um, rich by classical measures. So I think you need to bake in that growth for a while. Absolutely. One of the troubles with, with a lot of acquisitions is it tends to add a huge amount of goodwill to balance sheets as well. So if things don't work out and, and statistically they just, they don't tend to more often than not. So it does lead to potential for write downs in the future. One thing I will say about their acquisitions though, which is um, uh, rarer than what you would like is that they have done this with virtually no debt. So this business is, is essentially debt-free on a net basis. And even you know on, an, on a gross basis, it's very, very, very modest. And their share count has been very steady. So there's one thing to make a ton of acquisitions and you know just issue shares like they're going out of fashion and take mm -hmm. on a ton of debt. These guys have done it with a very, very clean balance sheet and by keeping the share count, which is a very, very, very good sign as well. So I guess just to wrap this up, because we've got a lot to cover here, it always comes back to, so is it too expensive? Um, for me, I think it is. And again, I don't. I, I think you can get caught up in a lot of these multiples. So uh, jump onto strawman.com. I've got a valuation there if anyone sees a breakup in it. But I think if you just roll some numbers forward, you say, hey, look, I reckon they can grow their, their top line at 30% for the next five years. Certainly they've got that runway. Certainly that's less than what they've done in the past. Takes into about 1.3 billion in revenue. You apply a net margin of 20%, not unheard of, quite reasonable mm -hmm. in fact for businesses like that. You know, uh, discount that back by, oh, apply a, a PE of about 30, 35, you know, CSL, Cochlear kind of multiples for, for much more mature businesses, not hard to do. I discount that back by about 10% each year and I get around 1870 or so, give, yeah. give or take. So you, you can overthink this stuff, but that, there's a lot going right with my scenario there and I still struggle to get to $19. So while, again, I don't want to overthink it, to me, it's a little bit on the expensive side. If it was to get below $18, uh, again, though, I, I, I would join you, Matt, in being a shareholder, I think. Yeah, and I guess just to add my two cents, it is um, it is more stretched than some of the other companies I own, as we talked about some of them last week. So I guess closer to, to selling than, than backing up the truck, but um, yeah, willing to give a fair bit of rope to such a great business. Let's move on. Let's talk about BWX from, from logistics software to skincare products. <laughs> yeah, so I'd spoken in um, BWX uh, uh, late last year, I guess, talking through why I'd sold it. So I thought it was a good opportunity to revisit it because the shares are up almost 40% um, on earnings. Um, so uh, they had fallen a fair bit before then. But anyway, so the results came out. Revenue was up uh, just over 1%, 1.4%, okay. so not too great. Um, net profit was down 51%. A relief rally. Um, well, how, how did that, how did that uh, rank relative to what they were saying, though? What yeah, well, uh, the, the reaction was positive um, because I think that the kind of outlook wasn't too much more negative than what they'd previously <laughs> said. Like it was actually still a downgrade on yeah. the outlook, but yeah. it was close to the previous one and the market had expected so little. Yeah, so I mean, going back to, you know, as I said, I sold this at the time of the takeover for $6. It's yep. now, um, it got down to $1.60 and is now $2.40. So it's still a fair way to go from there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so all the, all the core numbers that you'd want to look at are down. It wasn't great. Um, Sukin had been the core brand of the business. That was, the revenue was down 36%. That was a business that had been growing at 24, you know, 30 odd percent for a while. What, what was management's explanation for that? Uh, just there was like a slide, which was basically excuses. Like mm. uh, for, for mm. some of them quite reasonable. So the management buyout that, that failed yes. took a huge amount of attention Big for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, they also upgraded their 
Enterprise Resource Planning System, their ERP system, which yep. they had flagged before. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was a shareholder when that came out, it's like normally that's a red flag. Yeah. And I was kind of asking them about how it was going. Of course, it's always going great. Never, and then, yeah. And then but they never, those things they never, never go, go well. It's like the standard Software thing. If, if you move that, Take you're going to miss. Um, but yeah, so that brand, that brand being down is a pretty big um, cause for concern for mm-hmm. me if I was going to mm-hmm. be buying today. Um, and I, I think we we talked a little um, before the podcast around like what multiple would you pay for this? So on a on an EBITDA basis, um, based on their guidance, it's still at 12 times EBITDA, uh, enterprise value EBITDA. So that's a pretty like that's a pretty decent multiple for a business that's been declining. To me, that that's a multiple that implies growth. Yeah, it does. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Not um, not not eye watering growth, not wise tech growth, but but growth, right? Yeah. If you get them, if they deliver on that second half that they said they're going to do, um, and then they can keep doing that like run rating, then it's only about eight times. So it's not like it's not crazy now. I don't think it's like crazy expensive by any means. And if they can turn the business around and Wait, get Sukun growing again, then it would be fine. Don't think it's crazy expensive. I don't think it's crazy expensive to be at eight times if they deliver on their guidance. But but at twelve times a bit there, basically, to my mind, is not just pricing it for growth, but also for growth and a good business model. Is it sort of comparable to other fast-moving consumer good companies that might have stronger brands? Yeah. So, again, I guess I'd say it's if they deliver their guidance, which would put it at about eight times on on a run rate basis. I, I mean, I'm still not a buyer at these prices. You know, it's um, it's 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 just not that I'm saying that it's a fire sale. I guess, or yeah, shut it down. Yeah, I, I'm the same too. You know what? I've, there's been uh, it reminds me of other businesses that have had stellar growth and then a big stumble, mm-hmm. um, and then have seemingly managed to sort of get their footing and, and resume that upward trend again. They tend to, well, on for those kinds of businesses, an eight times multiple. Um, on that operating profit, EBITDA actually isn't too bad. Vocus was actually at about that level when it was at its depths. Yeah. And they sort of seem to sort of re- regaining their footing as well. So it, it's not that you can't do well from these, but it does take a it does take an iron iron constitution, I think, to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it could be a good business if they get the brand sorted. Like yeah. it's a can be a fairly good thing to own such a, a great brand if it's if it's doing well. But with Sukin down thirty six percent, and the only growth really coming from the acquisitions that get again a full six month basis. Uh, yeah, not not too attractive to me. So um, it was a pass when we first spoke about it, Matt, <laughs> and it's a pass now. Pretty but much. I mean, I I'm, I'm with you. I think it's worse than a pass. Have I gone crazy, or was it once upon a time? You know. Overseas Daigu, they're buying Sukin out yeah. of our supermarket shelves and out of our Priceline and chemists, yeah. Yeah. and they they can't get enough of our natural healthcare beauty products, mm. and it's just driving all this demand. And then this has just evaporated, and sales of this and that, that that is that is very much a, a warning lesson to this kind of space. I mean, the, the fickleness of consumers is legendary, and you know what is the hottest product this year may not be next year so you just got to roll that into any any optimistic but assumptions also i feel like listening to this whole story about a2 milk which i you know caved and bought is the whole thing was it's good to have you know the premium brand and that will continue to get the daigu buying and stuff off the shelves having the you can get it in woolworths for 20 cents more than the woolworths brand one i don't think it has the same yeah, there's not so much cachet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's so many competitors in that space as well. Yeah. Big competitors. Which I think have more cachet. So I imagine that people are still buying those products. Why are sales of Sukin down? 
you know, is it that people are buying less of that product? Yeah, and I'd say the, the key thing to separate there is, you know, there's a lot of reasons profits would be down with all this management, like the just the buyout cost them, they, they calculated $4.5 million. They wasted, the company yeah, wasted all the potential management. management buyout. But it's not like consumers are looking at Sukin on the shelf and going, I'm not going to buy Sukin yeah, because there's yeah. a management buyout. No, like, they no one would have a clue. Yeah. Right? So I think that to your point, it's more that suggests there's more of a core problem with the brand. Yeah, so they're saying will be addressed, so they'd have to deliver that before you consider yeah. looking at it. But a very big question mark. Okay, yeah, cool. Well, that, right. I mean, that's the thing to watch then, not just the profit. Yeah. All right. Let's move along. Uh, another company we've spoken of previously, we're nothing if not consistent, is Kip McGrath. Tell us about Kip McGrath, Claude. Yeah, right. So I uh, mentioned this one not long ago, actually, uh, just before the results. Uh, it is you know quick recap it is the very small australian company that's a franchise for australian um school students and uk and new zealand um to get a bit of supplementary uh help with their basics we're talking maths and english mostly here and yeah we just thought we'd do a quick update uh because uh they reported some decent results and Shares have been on a bit of a tear since then. Also, we do. Well, last week I did MNF group, well, which smiling. wasn't so good, but like <laughs> it's nice to have a few winners as well from time to time. So yeah, look, Kit McGrath's been a long-term holding for me, and it's just good to see the thesis continue to play out. What we saw in the most recent half was, look, I think you know it was a good half. It was lucky some things went their way. Uh, we still negatives first. You know, we still see relatively slow progress on their. Um, they call it on-screen tutoring mm-hmm. offering. Uh, but I'm glad they're investing in that because I think ultimately things will go that way and they are seeing growth there. Do they give any sense of how big of a share on-screen is versus the rest? Is there any... You know, you could probably investigate and get a better idea than I have, but it's for so long it's just been very, been very, very, very marginal, small so not that a, yeah. I've not been thinking about it. And I'd say it's still there. Mm-hmm. What they did say, they're not great at reporting on this particular metric mm-hmm. but what they did say that it was up 50 percent, which i assume means the hours yeah but this is off a low base of i think 1500 hours which across a whole network when you've got 500 tutor mm. franchises all teaching like multiple hours of lessons yeah. every day you know that's quite low yeah so that's a bit of a negative it's, it's going slowly but i'm glad they're investing it and i think they'll get there eventually uh yeah look other than that it's basically a story of gross profits going up because their network is doing more lessons and um, as a result and they're keeping costs in check so as a result of that net profits going up we're seeing a slight lag with free cash flow uh, in partly just because of movements of payables and receivables uh, but also partly because you do have a slightly increased investment in the technology which is again totally the right thing to do you need to make sure you're adding the value to those uh, franchisees so that everybody's happy and so what they've had to do is sort of like they're, you know, retiring software, replacing it, making it better. Makes sense to do that. They're going to keep doing that going on, going forward. You Balance sheet's healthy. Look, profit, the headline result, profit up 40%, which is great. Fantastic. Now, they, what they've also said is that as with most years, they expect the profit in the second half to be stronger than the first. Mm-hmm. So if you just even just basically say it's going to be the same plus 2%, mm-hmm. then that puts it on a forward um, PE ratio of 20 Mm-hmm. Now again, looking at the balance sheet, you look you have a slight bit of leverage going on there, but it's very small. It's like a couple of million is how much you know the liabilities exceed the net cash. So it's pretty safe balance sheet. PE ratios are pretty reasonable <laughs> way to assess this one. And you know for this sort of level of profit growth, 
versus uh, the PE ratio, if they can even just maintain it at anywhere near these levels for a couple more years, it'll pay for itself. Um, it's increasing the dividends. For me, it's one of those few stocks in my portfolio where you can very quickly sort of draw a line of just keep doing what you're doing and you bring me my money back without the share price moving. Not dependent on the market. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a little bit, but at the same time, it looks... Far less than It some. looks undervalued um, to me. So even and after the... Because I think since we last well, talked, so we spoke should, about it, the shares are up like 18% yeah, so or something. We so. should wind back a bit there. Like, you know, I've been buying... I've been writing about this since it was 30 cents mm -hmm. and I've been buying as low as 19 cents and I've most recently bought it 85 cents right after the results came out because I saw that they were pretty good. Yep. And so I obviously own shares. So do you guys own shares? I bought it 85 cents as well. Oh, Very happy. Nice. Oh, I, I was, told I was you, here Andrew. when you were talking about it. I should come back and look at that. No, yeah, no, thank you, Claude. Got your, uh, yeah. got your tip there. So that's, look, I think it was good value at 85 cents, but you know, it's up, it's, it's up a little bit now to a dollar, but at the same time, it's still pretty reasonable value if they can deliver. So I'm pretty happy to hold on and wait for the fundamental growth to come through. If it doesn't, of course, the whole thesis is off track because I'm considering that they'll, I'm not saying that growth will be at 40%, but definitely double digit growth um, in net profit for a couple of years from from now is what I'm looking for at a bare minimum. But of course you do have some upside if if they can keep the growth high. And just to be clear here, you're really talking over a multi-year time frame here. You're not, no idea what's going to happen I mean, next month or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. I guess for this one, my thesis would require growth over the next couple of years. Yeah, okay. So yes, it's a multi-year. I've already held this for a very long time yeah. and I, this is a long-term holding for me, but... I can keep measuring that that thesis every single report because yep. I want to see double digit growth um, in each report. So yeah, that that it was a great report from Kit McGrath. It's a relief for me because they're my second biggest holding. So yeah, just good on them and happy days. Nice. Just a reminder of the bear side of things. The the founder is selling shares. He said he's selling some shares. So there is that like ongoing liquidity that's going to keep happening for the next little while. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nice. Well, well done, dude. Yeah, excellent. And maybe another reminder of the bearer side of things could be uh, talking about the Australian recession. So it's uh, it's Tuesday evening, so the GDP numbers will be out tomorrow by the oh. time you're listening to this. So. Get your popcorn ready. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's interesting. So the last uh, quarterly GDP slowed dramatically. It was down to 0.3% up for that quarter, which yeah. is quite low. Um, and this number for this results, I'm, I have been quite bearish on. There's been a lot of um, negative news coming out for a while. Uh, and I think, uh, unfortunately, the rest of the economists seem to, <laughs> seem to agree with me now the day and the night before. I was hoping to have a big contrarian call that might be, might be close to accurate. But it looks like um, GDP is going to be quite soft um, tomorrow. Uh, by one definition, we'd be in a per capita recession, which means the economy is growing slower than how fast our population is growing, which I'll come back to in a second. Yeah, there's a bit but, to unpack there. Yeah, but the interesting thing for me is kind of thinking through, you know, the market has been extremely bullish. Like we've been seeing <laughs> yeah. the whole market, all of the growth stocks up, some of them up like 12% on no news, even more. Yeehaw! Yeah, and so if you look at, but if you look at the underlying economy, we've all known that house prices are slowing for a while, which drives the biggest part of the economy, um, which is consumption. So for a while, I've been kind of thinking, what part of the economy is actually growing? Uh, and the answer you typically hear is government spending yep. and the infrastructure boom. Mm -hmm. But construction numbers have already come out, um, and they were quite negative, negative 3% for the quarter. Yeah. Um, the government wasn't very positive at all. 
past 0.3. Trade was an, another detractor, mm. which just leaves consumption, which we'll find out about tomorrow. Mm. And it's getting to a point, I think, where we're not just close to like a, a GDP per capita recession, but potentially a, a recession recession, which Australia hasn't had in um, almost 30 years, <laughs> early 90s. Yeah. Um, and so that, that number, I think, is one to watch um, for those that invest in the share market because I think the sentiment will start to change pretty quickly if we have an actual negative um, GDP number. Um, and then, obviously, we just need one more and then you've actually got a recession. Okay, so why do you think the negative the sentiment will change if there's... And it maybe seems a stupid question, but why will the sentiment change on this, especially if people such as yourself and other people that are smarter than me may have already sort of seen this possibility coming yeah so i think the the big story change that could happen is that australia would kind of decouple so for the last six months there was kind of that big sell-off in december that was really driven by the u.s and kind of panic there about mm. tightening but if australia is having its own kind of economic story which hasn't happened for a while the whole world's been pulled in with this quantitative cycle um, i think that would start to change the sentiment quite a bit where people uh, suddenly aren't so bullish uh, and that also affects uh, everything else that we see. So if households aren't spending, um, if property prices are down, there's kind of this negative effect on consumption, which is 60% of GDP. I think that could, I don't think that people will be as willing to pay 30 times sales, you know, that we've seen um, generally. So we've got uh, a few factors pointing to this here, but, you know, surely mining will save us. Uh, mining didn't actually really contribute. So trade um, was, was down 0.2% for the quarter. That was the last one that came out. Uh, mining... Uh, but haven't you seen the Rio Tinto ads and, and PHP ads? <laughs> What's going on with Why these ads? Why are they doing that? Yeah. They're the core of this country. Is that a man. political like, thing? They may yeah. only employ like some tiny number of people, but like surely they'll save us. <laughs> yeah. I, I, just, I detect some cynicism there. Is it my face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's that's one that I'm watching, and it's for me, it's about um, it's it's an interesting one for me because I've been positioned outside of direct Australian exposure for a while. Most of my companies are international growth companies, or most of their operations are overseas. Yeah. Uh, but the multiples could get crunched pretty hard. So I guess it's something, something that I'm to, mindful to psychologically of. steal yourself for, even if it's just the possibility, because you know. Um, it's, it's far from a guarantee, but it's 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 inevitable as sure as you know, night follows day that this kind of thing will happen at some point. Let me throw something else into the mix there as well. Am I right in saying that new car sales were out recently over the last week as well? A really good indicator of a forward indicator of the economy because it's such a discretionary spend and that's just been collapsing, right? Yeah. And then add to that, we've got China, the second biggest economy in the world downgraded their gdp yeah, guidance yeah, now right. it's like it's only quote unquote what six to six and a half percent yeah which is ridiculous compared to any sort of developed country but what for them it's actually quite quite the slowdown what was their previous made-up number <laughs> 6.5 6. plus but yeah exactly uh, exactly which they hit so perfectly gonna, every time going to make up a lower number now yeah yeah but i guess that's part of the interesting point like I, I wouldn't predict a really harsh recession right now but everything's just softening which is kind of like if there is a blow from um chinese you know collapse or slowdown or something like that australia would not be in a good position to weather it um compared to where they were a while ago um we, we be, before we move on i guess this has come up before we're, we're going to get branded as like the perma bears here um well, which, which fair enough Gil no it's not fair enough given we're all like massively long well no. I, I think that's why that's why i i want to layer in some context here because i think it's very easy particularly for first-time listeners to go oh my gosh matt's saying it's going to be a recession and multiples are going to contract and it's all very scary how do you practically matthew how do you how are you positioning, playing, thinking about this kind of thing? On one hand, you're, you're quite bearish. 
um, evidently. But on the other hand, what are you physically doing in the real world? For me, it's just a matter of getting tighter on all the valuations that mm -hmm. support my thing. So being less willing to just kind of hand wave away, oh, it's a, a great business and saying, right. am I comfortable paying X price for this asset knowing that I might have to hold it for another five years? So uh, just on that, because we've talked about it this this very episode, WiseTech, you've got shares in that. You've yeah. just agreed with me before that maybe a little bit expensive. Is that something you would might consider trimming down a little bit in, in, in this kind of... Yeah. Sorry to put you on the it spot, is, but yeah. is that a good example? That's a good example of something that I'd be looking to potentially trim. Okay. Example. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. But would you? How many of these questions can we ask? <laughs> <laughs> I'm cutting you off. Cutting you off. But I, I will. I, I thought I'd reach out to the audience. I thought it could be interesting if any. Um, what's going on in the real economy? So it's really weird, right? It's March, and we're only just finding out what happened in the economy in December. Yeah. So yeah, if anyone wants to write in Three Wise Monkeys podcast at Gmail or or tweet at us, Please. you know. What, what's going on in your sector of the economy? I'd be interested to hear, like on the ground stuff, uh, which it takes so many months to filter through. Yep. Maybe things will rebound. Maybe the, you know government will pick up. But yeah, interesting. I think yeah, that's. That I, I find that a very hard. Yeah. We all we all live in various bubbles. Exactly. Right? You know what I mean? And I so talk to you guys. Like, we're all bearish of property and whatever else. Right. So, like, so we yeah. just give massive confirmation to each other. There's got to be other people out there going. Actually, things are really great for our business and the industry I yeah. work in. Never never been brighter. So it's always great to sort of test test that thinking so yeah if you can send us an email uh, i'll leave it with one positive for gdp which is australia's population growth which is just insane so it's 1.6 percent a year so if we just keep up with that like that that is gdp growth that's yes. huge yep. to put that in context the u.s is only 0 0.7 india which in you think 0 0.7 population population growth, yep, growth. Okay. Well, uh, they've, they've got a, a wall almost so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and india is only 1.1 percent you think that's kind of wow. like a booming population yeah, but yeah right. australia that that is why we've had 30 years yeah, of unbroken exactly. growth if that continues we just do it it's, we can muddle through but the f there'll be enough stadiums for everyone new south wales has us covered guys. speaking of Jobs sports and, and sports oh, oh, how's that transition it. very good uh, i'm gonna do this one really um quickly um excellent segue by the way <laughs> so uh what matt's getting at here is um is uh, msl solutions these guys have a bit of software that uh, cater to the sports leisure hospitality uh, and uh stadia um sector um it's been on my radar for a while because it's one of these SaaS businesses that just ticks all of the kind of boxes you know the usual high rates of retention capital light recurring revenue yada 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 all, all of that kind of stuff only trouble is shares have gone from what 20 something cents all the way back to about eight cents in the last year and it's been an absolute uh, disaster it's something that i actually tipped on straw man a little while ago and has not been my friend so the question is What's going on there? We have talked about it previously on the podcast, so I'll point you back to that if you want a bit more detail. But they, they had their uh, results out recently. And, uh, you know, um, we saw a 3.5% drop in revenue. So this is a business that, you know, again, supposedly only 5% of the addressable market. was, In fact, has been growing really, really strongly since it's been listing and, and even prior to listing. Um, and then, so to go from strong growth to negative growth, if that word even, that phrase even <laughs> makes sense, um, uh, is, is, a, is a real holy moly what's going on here. Uh, not just that, that the, the, the operating profit loss widened um, and so the market just went, understandably, what the hell is going on. Um, so the question here is, is this thesis busted or is this uh, an opportunity? Um, the hard part, we always talk about this, is sort of dusting yourself off, coming at it fresh. I, I tried really hard to do that. Um, and there's two narratives here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna outline both mm -hmm. for, for listeners. The bears will say um, very plausibly that look, 
they had they had all this big opportunity, but we're just not seeing it come through at the top line. At the same time, they have ramped up their R and D spend by thirty five percent. Sales and marketing costs have increased by forty two percent. Their cash burn has gone from something that was already significant to even more significant. They've only got a tiny sliver of cash left in the bank, and you know, based on the past six months of cash burn, you know, they they're going to run out of money, like almost certainly in 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 the Ooh. current half. So. How, how does that float your boat, Claude? <laughs> you got, got you interested? Yes. Um, uh, on the other side of the equation, the bulls are saying, well, you, you have to factor in there is a great de- degree of, of seasonality in this. The second half is always stronger. Management are actually talking about a much stronger second half. So they're in that, that infamous second half club. But what you also have to understand, and we talked about this, I think it was you and me, Claude, when, when we last talked about this business, was that these guys are transitioning to a, a subscription model. So previously they sold upfront, and that means you got all your money at the beginning, and then you sort of had you know less maintenance revenue over time. This SaaS model, these subscription models are so much better. You get far more visibility of, of your revenues. Um, you end up getting more money over the long term. Implementations are easier. Maintenance is easier. All of this stuff is it's just a far, far superior model. But when you do transition, there is a bit of, there is a bit of pain. So the, the, the business is talking about that. In their most recent results, they were at pains to point out that yes, we know that we know that our revenue is down. Partly, there's a little bit of slippage into the second half with some with some work. But if you look at the recurring revenue component of our business, there was a 15 and a half percent gain from the previous corresponding period, even from the preceding period, which is historically the second half always our strongest. There was a four percent improvement. And the company reiterated their guidance that for the full year, they're expecting the recurring uh, revenue component to be up about 16%, give or take, year on year. Yeah, they should definitely uh, get in touch with you for investor relations. So I can't believe. Do I, did do you I just do, a good do that job? for free? Uh, no, well, I, I think, hey. Of I course did, he did it for free. I think, I think, <laughs> excuse me, sir. I think I was very I was very candid on the bearish uh, no, side no, of things as well. No, no, you were. Of course, I'm well. joking. So I'm, I'm, I'm joking. That, that was the bulls. This, uh, sorry, that was the bears before. This, this is now what the what the bulls are saying. But, but they say that they will be cash flow uh, operating cash flow positive in the second half. Now, th- this is this is my, yeah, this is my takeaway. Will they be for the entire year? Uh, no, they won't. Sweet. But but it means that they avoid a capital raise. If there is a capital raise with shares at what ten cents, not even that is going to be massively dilutive. Really, really, really painful. So here's the thing. If you believe what management is saying, if this investment in sales and marketing and R&D, and we just talked before how essential that is for growing business, if that pays off, if they manage to avoid a capital raising um, and and they, they make this transition to subscription, this thing is is crazy cheap. I mean, these, these guys are trading at like one point, I want to say yeah. three times recurring just, revenue. I'll get to it. You know, the, the, on a forward PE basis, Excluding amortization, this is on a PE of eight. What? Right? Where is their E? Have a look at you've got the presentation open. Check it I've out. I've got the I've got the financial results open, and I see massive losses. Yeah, so it's it's empire. Anyway, anyway. Wait, so wait, wait, wait. What is it? Where does this like magical E check come out from? the most the recent E? By the way, is supposed to be earnings, except when we're talking about this company, and it is some other. No, you're, magical you're right metric. to be skeptical. And by the way, I, I'm I'm not saying so. This is let's a, let's talk about facts. Okay. Fact. <laughs> Okay. Fact: The loss for the period, according to their most recent report, was uh, 3.1 million. Fact: mm. Revenue was down. Mm. Need I go on? Yeah, no, uh, that's exactly what I said. So, 
It was it was a shocking half. Revenue was down. EBITDA loss widened. Exactly what I said at the start. <laughs> no, I know you covered it. The bear case like really outlined the yeah. situation. Quite so this well, is what is interesting about it. Now here's the, here's the reality about investing in the share market. A rosy consensus gives you no opportunity because when the market is very favorably disposed towards a business, you pay up for that. And generally speaking, efficient markets will will almost guarantee you that you're not going to get an adequate return even if the business does incredibly well so the thing here to watch is to say which side do i fall on here if the bears have gotten too much sway recently as i said this is 1.2 1.3 times recurring revenue even if you go this a two times annual recurring revenue multiple this thing's worth 14 cents it's a 40 percent upside from here right minimum if those things go well. If it doesn't, of course, and they raise, this thing could be three cents. So there, there is an asymmetry here. It is one where I kind of lean a little bit on the side of, of, of bullishness, but it is a very, very difficult call. I pointed out you because lean it's interesting. On bullishness. I think, I think- But none well, of us own shares, I think when we? you weigh it up, uh, I, th- I think that there is a um, contrarian within me that actually thinks things deserve. Share price was, in hindsight, was never, never deserved to be 20 cents. In hindsight, I think eight cents was crazy. And I think that there's there's potential here for, for, for a good upside. I would only have a very small position. It is extremely speculative. Give us a very, very quick summary of Dicker Data. Well, look, I mean, we can cut it short if you like, because there is a fantastic uh, write-up by uh, Matt Brazier on Dicker Data on ethical equities. Nice. And I actually did the write-up on Kit McGrath for those that are interested in that one. But yeah, so we've covered Dick, Dicker Data on uh, ethical equities multiple times. It was our preferred stock for november 2018 share price was two dollars 81 then i mean i've said the thesis before on uh, multiple mediums but to outline it for podcast listeners it is basically that this is a well-run company founders are paid rather modestly they own rather a lot of the company they uh, remunerate employees uh in a way that you know respects all shareholders and they pay out a hundred percent more or less of profits as a dividend so it's definitely a dividend stock mm-hmm. uh basically what has happened recently with is you know first they had their sort of guidance out there and then they did an upgrade to guidance and then their results came in and and they were pleasing and that and the market sort of pushed it up on all of that the, the key to it is that on their last dividend of the year, if they've got extra earnings, they'll pay out an extra big dividend. So they paid a seven cent dividend along sort of to reflect their final results. And that sort of gives you a hint that their results were good. Uh, so th- that was all really positive. And uh, essentially, you know, then they've gone and given guidance for 2019, which basically says they're going to get, they're going to do 22 cents in dividends, uh, which... At, at even at the current price, gives you a pretty uh, attractive, fully frank yield of six point one percent. Six point one percent after that massive run up. Yeah, yeah. So wow. it was really good before. Okay. Um, and yeah, no, I still think it's decent. I haven't sold any shares at this time. Um, I would consider selling some at some point potentially, just to rebalance. It's becoming a fairly big position now. The downsides of this company, for those that aren't familiar with it, is it uses a lot of debt. It, it, it's in the business of IT distribution, so it has large capital requirements. Yeah, low in, margins. Yeah, low margins. So it needs to borrow money to finance. It's like inventory, which it then sells at fairly low margins. And basically, it's bread and butter as being an efficient operation so that it can make a profit um, in doing this distribution service. And look, it's essentially just a well-run company in a pretty unsexy business. I say read about it online. If you're interested, it's a good dividend stock. 
I like it. But at the same time, it's run up a lot now. So I'd be pretty cautious at current prices. Well, there you have it. I think that's it. That's a bit of a wrap. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. It's uh, yeah, it's been great. Thanks, guys. Uh, you know, definitely feel free to get in touch with us. Ask us your questions. It's always great to have inspiration of what we should cover next, especially as we're moving out of earnings season now. Yes, definitely. And uh, look, it's always great to have your company, but we will be back next week with another episode of the Three Wise Monkeys podcast. Until then, thanks for listening. Thank you.